podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome to another episode of the Nina Kauser Shot, the first one back after the international break, a massive test for the Reds playing Spurs and of course Liverpool being too hot for the hot Spurs, 2-1 to Liverpool, I feel like the scoreline flattered Spurs, we're going to get into the nooks and crannies of this game, as usual I have an incredible panel, some amazing callers, so it's time for me to shut up and let's get this thing rolling, okay so my panel I have an oldie but a goodie. Um, uh, we're slightly late on this podcast because Justin has been doing some amazing work, but we'll discuss that later. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nina. I feel good to be an oldie but a goodie. Uh, you know, the uh, the old Saint Ed. I'm the James Milner of this podcast. Just a constant seven out of ten. Hey, we'll discuss him, but you know, incredible, incredible. Okay, and joining Justin is a fresh voice on the Nina Kauser show. You've heard him many a times on Anfield Index podcast. It is Jay Reed. Welcome to the show, Jay. Hi, you all right? Um, yeah, first one on your podcast. Obviously, you might have heard me before on uh, a couple of fantasy pods, but mm-hmm. hopefully my input will be better than this than it is on the fantasy football. I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be, Jay. Um, it's great to have you on. We're going to get your thoughts and everyone else's thoughts on the game. But like I said, we do have some callers. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Our first caller is somewhat of a familiar voice on the Nina Kauser Show, AI contributor for the US podcast. It is Mr. Jason Belk. Welcome to the show, Jace. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. It's always nice to come on the show after uh, a great win early on Saturday morning. I've noticed something. You always call in when Justin's on, and I get your names confused. <laughs> always. Well, I think Justin, you do it on purpose. If it <laughs> Justin, make, if you it take you that as an insult, because I'm an old, short, fat guy, so... If it makes you feel any better, my, uh, my father-in-law actually took a while for him to learn my name and just kept calling me Jason. So oh. an inside joke in the family. Actually, to be called Jason is now an inside family joke. Well, there you go. And now I'm I'm kind of using it. But um, Jason, thank you so much for calling. Um, I want to get your thoughts. Um, what would you like to share with the panel? Uh, well, first of all, awesome win, of course. Uh, but I kind of wanted to talk about. I know you guys hear different commentary than we do over here in the U.S. But um, the gentlemen that were on commentary here were talking about um, frequently how off our front three were in comparison to last year. Um, and, and honestly, how good Lucas Mora was and how great Harry Kane was when Kane was kind of not great. And Mora's good, but uh, or was good today at least. Um, so I just kind of wanted to get everybody's thoughts on why we think that our front three is quote-unquote not playing great, although I think they're, they're stupendous, and what it's going to look like whenever they do kind of break loose out of this supposed funk. Jason, that is an excellent question. I'm going to go to Jay first because you are new on the show, so I want to get your thoughts. We had very different commentary, and I think they were pretty much saying the same thing, weren't they, um, Jay, in, in a sense that, oh, um, 
Salah looks a little selfish, so does Marnie. You know, it was all that kind of narrative, that conversation. Um, we actually spoke pre-pod and we, um, Gags had some stats for us. And, you know, those our front three um, created 14 chances inside the box. And it's funny how they keep sort of um, blasting Salah and Marnie, but not a word or a peep on Harry Kane, who had a majestic game. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Seems to be the bias towards, obviously, the golden boy of English football with Harry Kane. Mm. He can do no wrong, can he, obviously, but he was anonymous by all accounts today. Um, I can't really remember him having a, much of a sniff of a chance. Um, mm. But then our commentary team was Gary Neville, um, Martin Tyler, I think. Yeah, so obviously they're massive, massive mm. fans of Liverpool and then Redknapp mm. chirping in every now and again. Mm. Um they're not going to give us anything unless they really have to. And to be fair, we did create enough chances. But I kind of look back on last season. Salah missed a few at the start of the season. We all know Bobby started a little sluggish after the summer holidays. Um, Mane, he, he was the sharpest out of the three today. He was lucky, unlucky not to score. Mm. Um, so I don't think it's that much of an issue. And the, as I said earlier on, the frightening thing is we're not firing as it seems. With the front three, we're five out of five, two goals against. We're top of the league and we're going into the Champions League this week. What's not to love? You know what? I'm so glad you brought up last season because that was going to be like my next sort of discussion point that, you know, this time, I mean, Justin, I'm going to bring you in. I want to get your thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts on the the, the commentary or, or the narrative about our front three. But this time last season, I remember a lot of people getting very frustrated with the front three saying that, you know, they can't hit a barn door from two yards and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it took time for it to click. And I feel like it's mental, you know, in a sense that, yeah, they they were a little wasteful today. Let's be honest. I feel like, you know, there were better options rather than them shooting and it didn't come up. But we won. I want to get your thoughts on the attack. Uh, I mean, we we were 3.4 XG to their 0.9. We obviously created a lot of chances. We created a bunch of chances uh, the first 10 minutes against Leicester before the game got like, you know, pretty, pretty chirpy. The reason that they're talking about it is that the ball's not hitting the back of the net as much as it did last season, which, by the way, early last season, we weren't hitting the back of the net at all either. Um, the difference is we're getting wins now, whereas those games were, uh, you know, were draws and losses. Uh, but we're we're a week away from the tired cliche of Liverpool not being a serious title challenger because we don't have a number nine who plays with his back to the goal and just finishes everything. It's just it's just lazy commentary. Uh, a lot of these guys have been out of the game for probably like you know ten to fifteen years. In the case of Neville, he's you know he's been out for what, five six years. The game's changed. The whole point of having like you know that that number nine that finishes everything and then you play towards. Uh, you know, that's, that's gone. That's why, that's why they love Harry Kane. He reminds them of a, he reminds a lot of these guys of a time at which they played, where, you know, you have what you, you just feed everything to the man in the middle and see, you know, see what happens if he scores it, which has limitations. And, and today was shown, you know, kind of to be tactically naive from Pochettino because Kane, uh, was basically marked out of the game by Virgil van Dyke and Joe Gomez. So I think it's just lazy cliches and how they think about a game that they used to play in a different way. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely spot on there. I mean, I wanna I wanna come around and get you know your guys' thoughts on. Um, well, actually, I come to you, uh, Jason. You've heard what the panel have said there. I wanna get your thoughts on the attack. Um, what do you make of them? Because I feel like you know they 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 did create a lot of chances. You know they've all got on on in on the scoring action. We're we're winning. Um, I feel like it's sort of like an element of nitpicking. 
Last oh, year it was all about criticising our defence and now it's all about criticising our attack. And one guy in particular that is getting a lot of flack for me has been um, Mo Salah. And I feel like maybe there's an element of people think that his last season is the standard rather than him just having an insanely good season and it might not be able for him to sort of replicate this season. And that's quite realistic that he won't. Oh, for sure. And and I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's nitpicking. I think it's people looking for something negative to talk about um, regarding Liverpool. Because, well, we've played five games. We've allowed two goals, which is pretty outstanding. Our midfield, uh, even though we've got a 40 million pound uh, central defensive midfielder sitting on the bench uh, and our club captain, our midfield is functioning in an awesome capacity. So uh, you see most of break through and, and miss a shot or hit it right at the goalkeeper, which is, well, it's, it happens. Um, so I think the commentators are kind of jumping on that, trying to, to find holes in what we're doing. The reality of it is, from my perspective or from what I can see, is at some point in this season, we're going to go on a run where we're scoring three, four, five goals a game because our guys are that good and our midfield is that good. Um, and I just, I, I feel sorry for the teams that happen to catch us at that time when we do fire on all cylinders um, because we're going to thump some people. Um, and it's just a matter of when. It's not an if. The awesome thing about this season, you guys are probably going to talk about this later on, but is how well the, the rest of the team functions at this time. So we can grind out two one wins against Tottenham away. Um, we can go to West Ham and beat them three or four nothing. Um, I'm looking forward to Tuesday and, and PSG is amazing team, but mm-hmm. I think they are going to absolutely have their hands full with us. So, um, it's just a matter of time. Like I said, we're going to absolutely hammer some teams this season. Here, here. I'm with that. I mean, guys, um, want to get your thoughts. I mean, you've heard what, um, uh, Jason said there about, you know, uh, he kind of feels like Liverpool will pretty much, um, the attack will do pretty much what they did last season. They'll click into gears and they will start um, blasting teams. I mean, that is quite a frightening prospect. If you think about Liverpool have tightened the screws in defence, we look better in the midfield. I mean, just how scary would that be? And I think the biggest thing here right now is going to have to be fitness. Um, Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I mean, if you take it back to when VVD signed in January, Mm. Our performances and our setup and mentality towards games, for me, seems to shift in terms of we didn't have to score four, five, six to try and win games. We could sort of take a step back and win by yeah. two or three. And now this season, it's dropped back to one or two goals. And I just think it's the whole mentality in the team that he's brought of the safety at the back. Um, obviously, we've tightened up again with Allison this season. Mm-hmm. So, the front three don't have to fire every week. And we can still grind out results. I mean, today's two goals come from the centre midfield and a tapping from half a yard out. So we're doing it the hard or the ugly way, as some people might say. But other people might say we're doing it the efficient way. We're we're getting results without actually putting all the pressure onto the front three. The ones who are putting the pressure on is the media because of Salah's outrageously good season last year. He's not having a bad time. He just looks like he just needs to build up a bit more fitness. He's had a long summer, mentally and physically. Yes. So, you know, give the man some time, cause him some slack. I, I imagine next weekend, Southampton or the Carabao Cup, the front three are all going to get a rotation and a breather. So he can have some time off. And, you know, the season's long. It's only just begun, but it's begun great for us. So long may it continue. 
Absolutely, absolutely, Jay. And Justin, I'll let you have the final word on the attack and the res- and your response to what the lads have said there. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're they're gonna click. You're gonna see Shakiri and Sturridge come in and mix well with it. You're gonna see Kada start to come in also and start collecting uh, goals and assists. It's all gonna come together. It, it's every season's different, and it takes diff- a different. You know, it takes a different time to catch your form and to make sure that you're kind of at peak performance. But you also don't want to be peaking in in August and September. You want to be peaking at the end of the season. This part of the season is just about getting through, getting putting points on the board and putting and building some momentum so that you have a cushion in the table and that, you you know, that where, you know, that you start separating yourself first from the pack and, you know, into the top four. And then hopefully into, you know, that top, you know, two for a title, for a title campaign. That's what we're kind of going towards. And if they're not firing and we're pushing in that direction, well, they're going to get there. We've seen them all be too good. We've seen our, the last two years, this team just attacks really well and scores a lot. So I'm not that worried. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think, um, I, I stand by my, um, my comments about it feels like there's an element of nitpicking right now, certainly with our front three. I think people just expect, miracles from them and they're allowed to kind of take time to you know find their form find their feet find their rhythm you know they've all had a pretty um full-on schedule over the summer with the world cup and stuff and you know we need to take all those things into consideration and jason i'm going to come back to you a massive thank you for calling in you're welcome i i I love it i i love being able to call in i appreciate you guys giving us this opportunity just uh had one thing to part on if you're in the North Mississippi area and you're a Liverpool supporter and you're listening to this, please reach out to me on Facebook. I'm trying to create a network of uh, people who can gather and, and build some community and, and hopefully become a supporters club. I've got four or five people here in the area already. So uh, the more the merrier. We're trying to figure out a time to kind of gather together and watch a game at a, at a bar or a restaurant or something like that in the near future. So please reach out to Jason Belk on Facebook. Um, and we'll add you to our group, and hopefully we can get together. Wonderful idea. It is really hard. I can only imagine being a supporter from, you know, overseas and, you know, watching games in isolation. So supporters groups are absolutely crucial. So if you are within that area, do contact Jason and, you know, create something big, create an LFC family, so to speak, over there. But, Jason, thank you so much, and best of luck with that. Thank you. Y'all have a great day. Up the you ribs. too. Yeah, have a great weekend. okay so that was jason our first caller on this nina kauza show i mean i love jason but i'm glad he's off the call because there's been too many jays on this on this call and it has been confusing me i'm not gonna lie i'm thrilled to have another caller a first time caller on the nina kauza show um ai pro subscriber magna welcome to the show hey thank you thank you for having me on no, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm sure you were absolutely delighted with that result, and I'm sure you've got some thoughts or a question for the panel. So, by all means, uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, first of all, I'd like to congratulate Daniel Levy and his lackeys on strategically postponing the stadium so that they wouldn't have to deal with this result on the opening. Um, but the the thing I want to talk about is, is Joe Gomez and... While he was obviously very good in the in the first four games, it felt like this was the game where he had to prove himself. Mm. And then uh, he made a mistake where he let Lucas Mora get in, uh, get in on goal, and then 
pretty shortly after he he kind of got skinned by Lucas Moore again. And, you know, after watching old Degsy Lovren and especially considering the same game last year, oh, I'm gosh, thinking, yeah. you know, here we go. Um, but then later, but then shortly after, he put in a great tackle and even dribbled past Lucas again later. So it's good to see him being able to recover from those errors. Mm. So what I'm wondering is, do you think that this firmly cements him as our starting right side center back? Or do you think that Lovren will be coming back in? You know, I did a video on this. So if you watch YouTube, go and subscribe to Anfield Index TV. I I spoke about this. But speaking of Joe Gomez and Justin, I'm going to come to you first. I have some stats on on Joe Gomez from at Statsman Dave. 80% 80% pass accuracy, 44 touches, 4 aerial duels, 1, 3 tackles, 1, 3 clearances and 0 fouls. Um, and he capped it off by saying another solid performance. Um, I want to get your thoughts on, on Joe Gomez's performance today because um, I feel like, yeah, he was kind of pulled a little. And I think that was sometimes largely down to Trent Alexander-Arnold being a bit more sort of advanced up the pitch. So it kind of forced him to kind of pull out a position and sort of back up and track. That's what I felt, certainly in the second half, because I felt like Lucas Moura was having a lot of joy down Trent Alexander-Arnold's side because he was sort of pushing forward and not sort of holding his more defensive um, discipline. I, I, I agree. I mean, everybody's going to point to that one specific chance where Moura beats him, mm. he's clear through on goal and just pulls the pulls his shot wide. Uh, but other, than, I mean, other than that, he, he he got pulled a little bit out of position by Mora, but he only really got I think beaten badly once. Mm-hmm. He recovered and he recovered well towards the end, end of the match. And also, I mean, Spurs didn't have a shot on goal until I think they actually scored. So I, I think they're. I mean, maybe they had a shot before that or, or something, but they they didn't have many shots on target. So I can't really sit there and say that he was, you know, exposed really in any way because we defended them extremely well and they didn't and we kept them devoid of ideas. It's just, you know, sometimes in individual space, he got matched up against Lucas Mora, who's a very talented player with good feet and good quickness going forward. And he got beat, which is why you don't want to see a center back one-on-one against a, you know, against a talented forward. You don't want to mm-hmm. see that with almost anybody. So I think it's basically people are going to look at those, those moments and try to use them to cast doubt. But I don't really think that they should because, you know, he's a young center back. He's a young center back learning his trade. He got beaten. He recovered. He learned from his mistake. And he played genuinely, pretty, generally pretty well. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, speaking of shots there, Justin, um, I believe they had seven shots uh, to our 14 in the box. Um, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think he's doing really well. I mean, Jay, I'm going to come to you and I want to get your thoughts on, um, you know, his, his game today. And I feel like he's earned his right to be a starter. I, I feel like, you know, Klopp is that kind of manager where he kind of rewards players who have been bought into action. And if they perform and they show that they can handle the pressure, then they should be rewarded. I mean, we've certainly seen it with Trent Alexander-Arnold. I feel like Klein is a bit of an afterthought now amongst Liverpool fans, which was quite, it's quite strange to think that, you know, he was one of our more solid, you know, more consistent players, uh, say, two, three years ago. So I want to get your thoughts on on the question that Magnus has asked there about should Joe Gomez keep his place? And then, Justin, I'll come back to you at the end with that one as well. Yeah, um, we'll start off with like the first point that uh, Magnus made is should Lovren come back in? And by 
by rights, no, he shouldn't. Like, not mm. straight away. He's mm. got no rights to walk in, even if he is self-claiming to be one of the best defenders in the world. Um, but he's got no rights to come back in and, yeah. and take a place of a man who's done no wrong at all. Um, as you said earlier on there, Klopp rewards players for the hard work and the performances. And I, I made a few notes on the game today. And I think it was 46 minutes to put down Gomez's mistake when he dawdled on the ball and then Lucas caught him out and then went on a little bit of a dribble and had a shot. But other than that, four other times I've noted down Gomez tackle, Gomez block, mm. Gomez great covering. And it seems as though, for me, he's doing what Lovren didn't. And he's listening to Van Dijk. Van Dijk talked Lovren through games, but Lovren, the player he is, the age he is, he always likes to think he can do it himself anyway. Yeah. Where mm. Gomez is new to the position and yeah, Van Dijk's holding his hand, but a couple of times in the last two games, he's bailed Van Dijk out with a couple of nice blocks that Van Dijk has sort of misjudged the ball and been caught up the field. So, Lovren's going to get his chance. He's probably going to come in, you'd imagine, if he's fifth for the League Cup, if not further along the line, as a lot of other players are. But by all means, no, he shouldn't be walking back into the team and demanding his, his share back. But yeah, why why not stick with Gomez? It's it's what the fans have wanted for so long. There's, there's fans have wanted Lovren out. There's fans that want Lovren in. But the team's moving on, so... Give the lad a chance until he makes a mistake. His shirt is always going to be his. Absolutely. I mean, Justin, I'm going to come to you. I just don't understand on what grounds like you could, you know, bench him, drop him, or bring Lovren in. I mean, let's not let's not, you know, forget the facts. Two goals conceded in five games, unbeaten all season. You know, those are the the numbers, and you know, in in a few of them games, he he has been um, the better centre back as well. No, I mean, if Lovren comes back in, this is going to give us a chance to to really start to figure out who exactly he has compromising photos of in the Liverpool footballing <laughs> setup. <laughs> There's no reason he should start it. There's no reason he should start a game right now. Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk are right now putting the, are the best defensive partnership in the Premier League. So don't if it's not broke, you don't fix it. Yes. Short, snappy, and to the point. And Magna, I'm going to come back to you. You've heard what the guys have said. Um, I'll let you have your thoughts on on the Joe Joe Gomez um situation. Um, do you agree with the lads? Do you think we should go back with them? Um, you know, the self proclaimed world's greatest defender. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no, I I very much agree. Because uh, I've wanted to see Gomez played at at centre back mm. for a long time, and like the error we were talking about, it's. It obviously didn't lead to a goal, which is good. But even even then, if I Lovren making that error, I could see him losing his head and and making more errors. So it's very it's refreshing to see Gomez recovering that well and having that in our in our back line, and especially such a young defender. Absolutely, and do you not think as well, Magna, that it's great to see him? Um, really sort of progress and advance from last season because let's not forget last season it was like a bit of a rotation policy between him and Trent Alexander-Arnold for um the right back slot and um you know um I felt like some you know people um were sort of like sort of trying to I don't know create like a bit of a rivalry almost like oh um I think Trent Alexander-Arnold is better and more suited and more fitted and people tend to highlight um certainly that game against Arsenal um, during um, the Christmas period where, you know, he, he had a few errors 
and he got beat aerially and I feel like he's grown so much in, in a season and in, in a, you know, in like a domestic season and he's also had that injury as well. Yeah, definitely. And and I think it's important when you, if you were to compare Trent and Gomez to to keep in mind that Gomez isn't, his natural position isn't at right back, it's at center back and it's it's good to see him being allowed a run of games there now and especially because mm. I think that this is only his fifth or sixth appear like competitive appearance as a center back so it's really good to see that he he's getting to play that position and developing really quickly in that position absolutely well magna thank you so much for your call thank you and i'll be be sure to check out that uh video of yours and subscribe don't forget to subscribe absolutely (laughs) well thank you so much for calling and i hope we hear you pretty soon again on the nina casa show it was a really great discussion Absolutely too. Thank you. You take care and enjoy your weekend. Thank you. You too. That was Magna, our second caller. Um, thank you so much for calling. Hope to hear from you soon. Unfortunately, that's the calling segment done. Now it's just myself, Justin, and Jay. We're going to kind of tie up loose ends, discuss things that the callers may not have highlighted. But first things first. I think you know you've got to focus on the positives. This is huge. Jay, I'm going to come to you. I mean, please just tell the listeners, get it off your chest. How big was that win? Oh, massive. Especially at the end. I, I, I could barely watch the end. I was thinking, oh, no, just not again. Not this again, please. Um, especially after last season when... You're accustomed you know, to dropping, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, but like last season, I, I don't think I went from elation to dejection so much as... <laughs> when 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 Salah scored that goal, when he like he took a last three or four of them and impossible angle, he put it past Lloris, and then the next thing, Kane's getting a penalty, and my feelings have never been up and down so much in the space of about six minutes. So, so I was just had that horrible thought it was going to happen again. Yeah, basically we were all that Roy Hodgson gif. Am I right? You know which gif I'm yeah. talking about when he just yeah. Got... <laughs> yeah, it was exactly that. It was I was basically sat there like on the edge of the couch going, please don't happen again, please don't happen again. But, you know, it's it's a massive, massive win. It's a big statement as well. We've sent out there one of the title challenges as it's put down on paper. So we've gone there to their backyard as we've done to Leicester and Palace this season, ground out some tough victories without actually getting out of second or third gear in some stages. So mm-hmm. it's a massive, massive win for us. And, we just need to now knuckle down for the rest of the season. We've got a massive 21 days. I think it is seven games in 21 or 23 days, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it sets us off on a big roll going into the Champions League this week. Anfield's going to be bouncing on Tuesday now mm-hmm. after this result. So, yeah, can't stress how much of a big win that was. Well, you know, technically it's not their backyard. They are actually um, legally squatting, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what's huge? Uh, Klopp um, winning at um, Wembley, something that he's never managed to do before. It's huge. And like you said, there's some big games coming up. We've got the Champions League game. And I feel like we've got some really, really tricky fixtures coming up. Justin, you know, we're going to have to play um, Chelsea twice in this in this period. We've got Paris Saint-Germain. We've got Napoli. We've got Manchester City. This was the first game after international break. When you take all those things into consideration, where Liverpool don't really perform after an international break, we don't really... Um, 
we've been renowned to not perform well on these early kickoffs. Liverpool Football Club has a tendency to make or break our weekend. And when it's an early kickoff, it's normally a shit weekend. I know we beat Leicester. We beat Spurs again. I want to know to you how... I need to know from you, Justin, how huge was that? Because this was Liverpool's first test. Because I think everyone's just been a bit mad about Liverpool. You know, the neutrals, like, yeah, they're beating just average teams. Teams that we usually used to draw against, I hasten to add. But this was our first big test. I am so glad I got to hear the word draw. <laughs> draw. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, point of order before I get into the uh, the, the, the the point of that. It's one and a half games against Chelsea because the Water Buffalo Cup doesn't count. Um, but uh, going, it's a, it's a it's a huge win. We went away to a Spurs team where we got the tactics one hundred percent right. Like if anybody who and it's a limitation in how people will read stats. Somebody will say that we were crap because I don't know, G, or Gene Wijnaldum was crap because he only had thirty passes attempted. We let them have the ball. Right? They created nothing. We nullified them. And then we skimmed them time and time again on the counter. The scoreline flatters them. It could, it should have been put away and should have been, you know, three or four nil before they even had that, that's, that before the goal. And we thoroughly outplayed a title contender away from home. Now, I think part of it is we got lucky in two spots because at the end of the game, that's a small shout for a penalty that could have been given. And. I think that we got lucky in the fact that we played them in Wembley instead of their new stadium because we absolutely would not have wanted to be the team to open their, the, the, that they opened their stadium against. They would have gotten a huge energy bounce from that. And instead of coming out, like, you know, flying out of the gates, it took Spurs some time to even come into the game. They, I haven't seen a Spurs team play that slow and ponderously in a long time. And I'm going to give us credit because I'm just going to say we did it to them. And I think that that's downright true. And this is one of those things that people will say is, um, you know, we we're playing down to the level of our opposition. Leicester's a better team than anybody wants than anybody wants to say. They're an upper mid-table team. They're a team that should be challenging for a spot in Europe this year, the Europa mm-hmm. League of the Champions League. So they're 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 decent and they're good. And you know, we uh we went out and beat a you know a good Spurs team on their own ground. We annihilated West Ham. And then we had two games where we were good enough to win. That's what they that's what we needed. Just putting points on the board. I don't care how it looks right now. We've got maximum points, 10-4, two against. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't have put it better. And, you know, the only my only thing was, was um, if, if there was any complaint was, um, you know, because they kind of, like like Justin, you just said there, the scoreline flattered them. I kind, of wanted, I kind of wanted a pasting, considering what they did to us last season. You know, almost humble them a little. And I feel like even though we did in terms of, you know, the shots inside the box and, you know, we had the better chances and we should have put more away. I feel like if somebody's just looking at that score, they probably think it's a really close game just by looking at the score. But Spurs were, abs- you know, in my opinion, were absolutely dreadful. And um, that's all I will say on the matter. We're going to... We're going to move on now. And we, I think what we've got to do here now is we've got to discuss, you know, um, portions of the defence and, and the goalkeeper. Jay, I'm going to come to you because we spoke about Joe Gomez, but let's talk about his sensei in Virgil van Dijk. I thought he had an absolutely incredible game. Just, it's routine for him usually. You know, he's he's just flawless. I, I felt like he really controlled and I felt like he was a calm, measured head in that defence that we certainly were lacking last season. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a good question. Have you seen Virgil van Dijk break sweat? 
because I don't think he does. He just seems to have his slippers on all the time. He ever looks so easy to him. Um, but yeah, he, I, there's there's not really many words you can put to say how much of an impact he's made since we've signed him last year. Um, and he's rubbing off on Joe Gomez after mm-hmm. like five games so far. You can see Gomez is learning every time he goes on the pitch. You can see more and more of Virgil van Dijk is rubbing off on him, making him a better player. His composure at times on the ball today, both of them, but the way they just step out and they, they breeze past players like they aren't even there. Four to five strides and the, the 15 yards up the pitch, it's it's frightening how good he is. And he's actually, all summer, people were clamouring for a, a centre-half partner, including myself. And yeah, Of course. Klopp was right, he had underneath his nose, he knew what he was doing and he's brought Gomez through and he's put him next to a man who's made that whole defence so calm. He, he lets Andy Robertson go forward at well yes. and he just seems to stride across the pitch and he's covering so much of a large area. And the same with Trent on the other side now, with Gomez is covering across for Trent. When a couple of times, second half, he did get caught a bit further up the pitch, but the pair of them just make it look so effortless to either the breeze and through games and they've faced all sorts of challenges. I mean, today was the golden boy of England and I don't even think he had more than a half a chance, um, which was he attempted to flick some ball behind his head and he was anonymous today and they've done it to good strikers and different types of strikers all through the season. So it's it's really, really good to see and you know that the big tests are going to come over the next few weeks, but I feel confident in having them to at the back that they'll stand up to everything that's going to be thrown at us. No, those are some really, really excellent points. And I think a lot of people listening to this show will agree with you. Justin, I'm going to come to you now. I want to get your thoughts because I feel like, yeah, the setup is great. But I think what has really helped was, you know, even I just think the goalkeeper as well. I I feel like there's just an element of confidence in the goalkeeper. And I feel like that really helps the defence out. I feel like they know that they've got somebody solid behind them. It feels like we're better at defending as a unit. Um, mm. there's the midfield is organized in front of the defense when, when we're out of possession. The defense is always constantly organized when we're out of possession. The pl- they, they seem to know exactly where each other, you know, are and how, and never get too far from each other. And then Allison is a command, is a commanding presence. It all just, it all just feels better. Um, you know, someone mentioned, uh, Harry Kane and I should, you know, as Anfield Index's resident Harry Kane super fan interject that Harry Kane was nine of had I think something like 15 or 16 touches through the entire match he was erased by Virgil van Dijk um so you know that that that's you know the golden boy as Jay put it has put it was reduced to basically being a bit part player part of it was because of the fact that you know our fullbacks and our midfield were great at restricting service and part of it is just that van Dijk is just good at erasing really good attackers because that's what he does. And it felt like he had, he just basically said, I'll take Kane on the rest of you guys, you know, just handle the handle shape. Don't supply, don't allow him a supply and I won't allow him a sniff when something comes through. And that seems to be what we did. And it really worked. They had 60% of the ball and they created something like they didn't create a single recorded big chance. That's according to stat zone. We had, we had 40% of the ball and we can tra- we created three big chances and, uh, looked like even, you know, we were creating more half chances than them. They didn't really even create a lot of ton of half chances. They they just weren't good. And I think it's really just our defense being that organized and that well set up and that well drilled that did it. 
Yeah, I, I think we just started off so um, aggressive. Let's not forget, you know, we did score an offside goal like within minutes. You know, you kind of, I mean, that to me was kind of um, a, an indication of how Liverpool were going to play, you know, and, and um, how well we're going to we're going to school them. But guys, I feel the need to discuss the midfield and. Um, Justin, I'll I'll stick with you because um, Klopp went with the midfield that he's usually favoured all season, bar obviously the Leicester game where he made a little switch of bringing in um, uh, Jordan Henderson instead of Nabry Keita, but this time around it was Keita, Ginny and Milner. Um, Ginny Wijnaldum, I mean, we've got to discuss the fact that he played, he scored away from home. Yeah, he's... He scored away from home, and I think this is a situation within which Klopp absolutely looked at the opponent and said, "Probably what's my robust, most physical midfield that's uh, you know that's used to the Premier League." Because obviously, the the one thing that people could argue with is uh, bringing Fabinho in, but he's obviously not getting that debut quite yet. I'm thinking he's saving him for Paris, you know. I think so too, because he knows because he knows PSG. But mm. also, part of it was just that. I, th- I think that he knew that Spurs are a physical proposition in midfield. So let's get my, you know, my most physically domineering midfield and a, a midfield that he knows would be decent playing off the ball mm. enough to basically just nullify their midfield. And Erickson had a few moments where he started to show life into the game, but then those moments all got figured out and dealt with. Genie basically kind of figured out how to deal with them. And off the ball, our midfield was quite great. On the ball, they were okay. I mean, we did we didn't possess the ball a ton. We weren't great at keeping possession. But then again, also that didn't feel like the strategy because it, it tended to be we get the ball and you know just try to be very direct in our counterattacks, and that worked. So I, I think that the midfield was pretty much gotten right today by Klopp, and it, it's evidenced by the fact that Spurs had a lot of the ball, but most of it's their center backs. Their, two, their center backs had their most touches. Yeah, there was definitely a great energy in that midfield. Um, Jay, I'm going to come to you because um, when I watched that goal, I mean, I had a massive smile on my face at Ginny Wijnaldum as well. I mean, the fact that he leaped in the air, like, and to me, he's one of the short guys. Like, I'm not the tallest, but when you look at, he's quite petite. And for him to sort of jump up and win that header and, uh, and I think Gags tweeted something or wrote something on the group saying he loves technology. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, beautiful, brilliant. Yeah, um, our midfield today was, it's hard to sum up really, um, they'd done well without actually looking like they were playing really well, if that makes any sort of sense. Like, we seemed very sloppy in possession at times, we handed the ball over easily. Um, when when Genie scores away from home, you kind of get the feeling it could be your day. Um, but yeah, he, he he was vital today and sitting in the six, I think... If we take it back to our last game against Leicester, they were a physical team as well. Yes. And they, they harassed us in midfield and people have fallen against Jordan Henderson. I think he was just a little bit off fitness and his timing was just a bit short. So we kind of got overrun in midfield if it was last week, uh, two weeks outside against Leicester. Mm-hmm. So maybe Klopp's looked at that and thought maybe a couple more weeks on the training pitch for Henderson and go with what's got him through the first few games in the season and the legs and the power and yeah, we we didn't look easy on the eye, but at the end of the day the result was all that mattered. And for me, um I'd probably mix it up midweek 
going into that. But Genie's goal, I I didn't think it was in at first sight. It didn't look from the way the camera angle was at Wembley on mm. the TV. It didn't look like it had gone in, but it was clearly over the line. And if I can make just a quick note on Michel Vaughan, hands off to him there. He was doing peak mingle today, missing balls in the air, <laughs> flapping the crosses, trying to claw it out, letting the ball roll through his hands on the line. It was it's like, nice when that's somebody else's problem, <laughs> it right? Was, <laughs> it was so good to see that it wasn't our goalkeeper and we're not all sat there with our hands over our eyes thinking, yeah, yeah it's good that it's gone our way for Absolutely. And Jay, I'm, I'm going to stick with you. And I feel like we've got to discuss the other, the other engine in the midfield. I mean, James Milner can, I think he's a freak of nature. And you know what, we know what Klopp said in his press conference. I'm going to turn you all from doubters to believers. I really doubted James Milner. I used to criticize him so much. Uh, didn't like him in midfield and then he sort of played left back and I thought he had a fair few good games and then he started looking tired because his legs and his, you know, he just sort of looked like he's running out of steam. But my God, I, I feel like he doesn't do anything fancy, but he's everywhere and he's committed and today he was exactly the energy and sort of the, the presence that we needed in the midfield because that's one thing you cannot slag James Milner off. He does not have a quiet game. No, he is. He's 7 out of 10 every week or more. I mean, today, for me, he was man of the match. He was everywhere. Mm. He was all over the pitch. And even going into the last 10 or 15 minutes, he put his body on the line, flying into tackles. Um, he's breaking up play. He's doing the simple things. And at 33 years of age, you just think, like, could we have got, not got this player like a couple of years ago when we got him? Because when we take it back two summers ago, and Klopp was saying, we've got a new midfielder than James Milner. And everybody was sort of on the Naby Keita train that he didn't arrive. A lot of the fans were disappointed. But, you know, once again, Klopp was right. And most players, I mean, most fans now, when picking their starting eleven, James Milner is in the midfield. And that just says a lot for the man. He's he's phenomenal. And how long can he go on? He, he's just getting better with age. He is. And Justin, I'm going to come to you because we were just speaking about Joe Gomez and like he's at his right. He should keep his place. And I I feel like that is the right or the claim to James Milner as well. Like I remember you came on one of my shows um, earlier on in the season and, you know, you were just you were absolutely blown away by him. And I feel like he's doing a lot of this recently. And could it just be like, I mean, Jay just made a point there that what kind of player would we have had had he been at Liverpool State like five years ago? But what what is the key to him doing so well? Is it the fact that somebody's just believing in him and giving him a run of play? Maybe something that he didn't do at Man City because he was a bit of a bit part player? What is it? I think it's a combination of the fact that Jurgen Klopp's tactics, which require a player that has a lot of energy and doesn't necessarily... like. In the midfield, he just needs some players sometimes who aren't going to, like at least one guy who's not going to be the most elegant on the ball, who necessarily isn't a defensive midfielder, but just someone who grafts and make, and, and make some, you know, create, creative play out of, you know, the quick, the quick turnover on that loose play. Like Milner's a transition player. And I think that that's uh, one of the things that benefits us is the fact that he's high energy, got a decent pass on him and never stops running. He's, uh, you know, it's, it's never, it's, it's, it's not flair. It's just, uh, he's just an incredibly good functional midfielder. And I think it's basically just Jurgen Klopp saying, this is what I need you to do because this is what I know you can do. Yeah. 
Um, I, I have to agree with that. I think uh, that's probably enough discussion on James Milner. I, um, we, Jay, we will discuss Man of the Match, but you've given a spoiler there. I kind of know where you're going. I, I might be going the same. Who knows? You'll have to stay tuned and carry on listening. We're going to have to move on ever so slightly because, you know, we are doing some talking points. And, um, you know, our attackers, and I've got to discuss Roberto Firmino because I thought he started off really well. He looked like he was on it. He, again, another player that's got a fair bit of criticism that's looked a little rope. He looked a little off. I thought he was quite intelligent on some of the counter attacks. I felt like his movement was good. I felt like his passing was great. And, you know, we got to discuss the fact that he, he just scored such an easy goal. It was um, pretty routine for him. I uh, want to get your thoughts on uh, R- Roberto Firmino's performance and, um, he, unfortunately, the injury. It, it Gags just sent me a picture of um of the scratch, the finger in the eye, and it looks pretty freaking gruesome. And um, fingers crossed, he makes it for the Paris Saint Germain game. Um, uh, Jay, I'll come to you first. First of all, on his face, I've not seen his face yet, but I'm sure nothing will harm his Instagram game. I'm sure he'll put a nice <laughs> pose on from the other side of his face. So there's nothing to worry about there, Nina. I'm sure you'll be able to. Uh, like a few of his pictures later on today. Oh, good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, on Bobby, as we, we all know, he, he always starts a bit sluggish into the season. He enjoys the summer, as we all do. And, you know, you cut him some slack. He, he did look a little bit rusty at the start of the season. But today he was he was peeling off and, like, the spaces he was creating, they're back too, because it was. They, they do a claiming to play a back four, but the fullbacks were leaving all the Vidal and Vertonghen left all day. So they were we were three on two all the time and Firmino's great quality is he, he pulls back into that little number ten like half space and Mane and Salah, they've got the option then of the centre half did he did he follow Firmino? Did he stand, let him receive the ball? Did he let Salah and Mane come at them? I mean it, it just sets up our system so well and even when teams play a back three against us and we go three on three, they don't know what to do. They've played a back four today and they if anybody's watching that game properly, they've got to learn that you can't play a back four against us and let your full backs go up the pitch like that because we will just pick it off. And I was good to see him get a goal as easy as it was. Disappointed he was a, a no-look finish. Um, but, you mm. know, he's, he's rolling into the season now. He's starting to warm up and as you said, hopefully it doesn't keep him out for Tuesday. It's just a little scratch in the eye. And I think it was mentioned on the commentary that the eye kind of heals itself pretty yes, fast it anyway. Mm. So fingers crossed going into Tuesday, you'll be okay. You'll just relax and um, not get too many flashes on his Instagram camera. So he should be okay. You know what pisses me off about that, though? It was, yeah, it wasn't even a booking. And there was no need for his hand no. to go up like that. You know, it wasn't a natural movement at all. And that's what kind of annoyed me a little, but a lot. No. The ref today, for me, he missed a lot. He got some big decisions he got spot on. But yes. in the last 15, 20 minutes, Spears got really physical. Mm. And he flew into a lot of town. And I don't think he really brandished any cards at all. The and then the only player standing up for it for Liverpool was Milner. Milner flew into a challenge and he won the ball clearly on Lucas Moore. And the Spurs players were going crazy for the other card. He didn't give one out then either, but I just thought they, they did get away with a few sly digs and fingernails, as you could put it there. Trent could, could have, have got a booking as well, actually, with his foot high on Rose, was it, earlier on in the game? Yeah, but he won, for me, he won the ball. 
and the ball hit Rose in the face. Mm. And I think the ref may have seen that. Obviously, we know the issue with high feet is contentious. Yes. But yeah, I think the ref sort of laid the marker down that he wasn't really going to brandish any cards today. Yeah, and I think that set the tone really well for the game because I feel like when a referee gives an early yellow, he's almost compelled to carry on doing the same and we see so many refs lose their heads. Justin, I'm going to come to you on on Roberto Firmino's uh, performance today. I felt like he was the attacker that was kind of clicking and I felt like he had a pretty decent game. Jamie Redknapp, I don't normally agree with him, actually I never agree with him, but he was on commentary today with uh, Gary Neville and um, Martin Tyler and he said he is one of the most underrated players, unappreciated players in the Premier League and I feel like that is very true of Roberto Firmino. I feel like the only people that sort of hype him up are Liverpool fans. You hear too many people think, I don't know what he does. Like, do you, what? <laughs> the people who don't know what he does aren't watching the game because I, it doesn't take away, let's take away all the off ball stuff and all the create and all the creation of space and all of the, uh, and, and, and like, you know, all the things that we know that he does that go unseen. If you know, if you think he was underappreciated, like last season where he scored 27 and assisted another 17 and created God knows how many more, just quit watching the sport. It's not for you. But, uh, no, I mean, he, he was, he was great today. He, um, he, first off, you don't feel like he was the, he, I don't feel like he gave the ball away cheaply. That I think is much more, um, Mo and, uh, Mane were doing that today. But, uh, and, and it's funny because you mentioned this when you were introducing the topic and I actually saw on Twitter, um, you know, Joseph Cousins also said something to a similar effect. He seems to be the player in transition for us who knows what to do with the ball and how to create and, and how to create space and an opportunity in transition. And everybody else just seems to be kind of a step behind him or just like, you know, a little bit panicky or tentative in transition, whereas he completely and totally thrives on it and creates in our counterattacks. And he was so good at that today. He created a lot of space for people. He got the ball in the situations where, you know, where he was able to turn and just take a Spurs fullback completely out of the play and create something going into the box. Um, he was just incredibly creative today. He gets a goal for, you know, basically Vorm spilling a ball onto his foot. But <laughs> he he's in the right place at the right time, so how can you criticize him? He scores early in the game. Mane, if he just leaves it alone, the ball goes in, and we have a really quick early goal. He, mm-hmm. was, he, was, he was definitely showing, um, you know, encouragement as far as Vorm goes. Uh, it, it was nice to see him play that way. No, um, I couldn't agree more because I feel like even though we have so many players that can change the game now for Liverpool, we're no longer a one-man team, which is, um, you know, a nice taboo to kind of shake off, especially when people used to slag Liverpool off. Um, I feel like when he's playing the best, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like we're a, we're just better to watch I just think we function better. And like you said, he might not be the quickest player because I think Sadio Mane and um, Mosala are, you know, miles quicker than him. But what I love about Roberto Firmino is that he's more game astute and intelligent. And he has this ability to constantly look up and find the right pass or try playing the right pass. And I think that's why I think the front three just complement each other so well. Guys, I think we've kind of discussed the game a fair bit there. I'm going to let you have the floor. Um, and it, sort of, um, I don't know if there's anything that stood out from the game, your last little chance of a sort box, something that we've not discussed. Uh, Jay, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you first. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to pick up on was the fact that we, it was highlighted earlier on in the pod, the, the commentary teams, and the fact that we don't get the praise that we actually should be deserving at the moment. And it seems like 
it's it's got that old adage of nobody likes to see Liverpool do well. And because we are doing well, people are finding it hard to praise us. So they're looking for criticism. As we said earlier on, they were nitpicking. Today mm. was the attack. Last season, it was obviously some parts in the defence, the goalkeeper, where right now, what there's nothing to moan about. Like Everybody but Liverpool fans is looking for things to pick apart in Liverpool's game. We're just all on the train to success at the moment. And five out of five, like we're flying. So, you know, it's kind of putting two things up to everybody who's doubting us and looking for holes in our game. So... That's sort of what only thing I could pick out is we've gone to three away games, two of them last season. We I think we lost at Leicester and Spurs last season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so taking the bigger picture, it's a 25-point swing that was mentioned at the start of the season to catch up to Man City. Well, we're six points in after five games on last season. So long may continue and looking forward to Tuesday now. Yeah, um, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think they are nitpicking. And, you know, I love the fact that, you know, last season, like you said earlier on in the pod, we relied on the front three to score four goals and hope that defence don't fuck up. I love the fact that defence are holding on to their end of the bargain, which means that the attack don't have to burn themselves out. Because what happened was Liverpool would win a game five, would score five, and then the attack might struggle against the West Brom last season and not score any. And, you know, there was like an inconsistency in, in, in like, the sort of goals scored sometimes and I feel like if we just keep it at a constant speed at a constant level and we're not asking too much from our attack because at times last season it felt like we were asking too much it was almost um, impossible and I'm quite happy with that I I love the fact that we're building up to something Justin what stood out for you in this game um I think it's actually just how much, how important Nabi Keita is to our midfield. And uh, also, actually, to the same point, I'm actually, actually going to compliment Jordan Henderson at the same, in the same breath. Keita mm. was amazing as far as creating the link, as far as being, creating link play energy, carrying the ball, and giving us relief when we needed a moment. Because Spurs did have a lot of possession. But, you know, he was, he was kind of popping up in places to make sure that he did some damage. And he's, you know, he's trying for that first goal, and it'll come soon. And then Jordan Henderson, as an energy substitution work, right? This is, he didn't have to worry about managing himself through 90 minutes and he just kind of, you know, made sure that he brought some energy into the midfield when it was starting to flag towards the end of the game. And that I think was very, very helpful to the, uh, to, you know, help closing it, closing out the results. I mean, you, somebody could lazily say, well, we surrendered once, once he came on. He, yeah, show me where he has any sort of culpability in that goal and we can have, we can have that conversation. Yeah. Um, couldn't have said it better myself. I just feel like there's, it's just an agenda of some strange kind, you know. I just think Jordan Henderson, like you, the way you discussed, um, the way you described James Milner for me, we know what he's good at, we know what he can do, and he'll do that really well. I mean, he's limited, of course he is. We're not saying he's the world's greatest midfielder, we're just saying that he can do certain things pretty well in certain circumstances. For me, my personal highlight was um, after Ginny Wijnaldum scored, he kind of went on this mad run. He could have squared the ball, but you know what, he went into messy mode. And, uh, you know, decided to get a second and it didn't go well for him. But you know what? I smile at that. It just shows confidence. <laughs> it made me laugh, actually. That was the part where I actually did smile. Now I can smile at a time. I'm furious. But yeah. Let, that... let, me, let me just interject one genie related thing. There is nothing more anticlimactic than watching a goal awarded when you don't get to see the ball hit the back of the net and it's given because of the fact that the goal line technologies come in. Glad it was given. Very anticlimactic. 
yeah, you kind of wanted it to kind of hit the back of the net and even kind of celebrate. Yeah, I know what you mean, because Virgil van Dijk was like, oh, are you giving it? Certainly uh, from the stream that, you know, the camera angle from us, he was just like, oh, and, you know, the, the commentary was so, like, sort of um, downplaying it as well. Like, oh, yeah, he's giving it. You know, there was no build-up to it at all, but naturally you take them goals and I'm delighted for Ginny Wijnaldum. Right, guys, I think we've discussed this game a fair bit. I think we're all really happy, but we've got to go around, get man of the match. Jay, you know what? Um, uh, let's just put the listeners out there, Misery. Who was your man of the match? It was James Milner. Um, <laughs> hardly a surprise. For me, it was it was close between Milner and Van Dijk today. Yeah. I just thought that Van Dijk showed us dominance more in the second half, but for the whole 90, Milner was non-stop and... As we said earlier on, he just carries on. He goes and goes. There's, there's no end to his energy. So, for me, yeah, he shaded it. He was all over the middle of the pitch. He was covering left, right, back on the full-back position. So, yeah, Milner man of the match for me today. Good shout. Good call. Justin? So, I only have one agenda, as we all know, which is ch- uh, chairman of the Liverpool Supporters Branch of the Harry Kane Appreciation Society. <laughs> And in, in in keeping him quiet, I, I give this to Virgil Van Dyke for allowing me to further my extraordinarily pro um, Harry Kane uh, agenda. I love that they're both great shouts. They both deserve man of the match. Oh, where do I go? You know what? I'm gonna give it to. I'm gonna have to give it to James Milner because. Um, I think for the reasons that he's 33, he looked incredible. He was all over the pitch. I felt like he sort of um had a commanding presence. As for Virgil van Dijk, I'll always give it to Virgil van Dijk. It's, to him, to have those performances is just standard. I do love the fact that he kept Harry Kane in his pocket, but I, I have to give it to um, James Milner today because um, I love the fact that he's um, his performances have made me change my perception of him, and that's big. You know, to sit there and own up to that is, you know, it's a big thing, and, you know, that speaks volumes of the the kind of performances that he's having for Liverpool right now. Right, guys, that is the end of this Nina Kauza show. Um, I hope you were all thrilled with that. I, I was a little hyper in the first half of the pod. I do apologise. I have toned it down. Unfortunately, that is the end of this Nina Kauza show. I hope you've really enjoyed that. A massive thank you to our callers. A massive thank you to my guests. But, guys, before I go, it's a chance for you to plug. So, Justin, I'm going to come to you first because I kind of eluded something at the beginning of the pod. So do you want to share it with the listeners? Yeah. So one thing that um, I think everybody in their in our local communities, regardless of where we are, you know, you know for me, New York City, um, I know that this is a big thing in Liverpool. Um, I know that this is, you know, the club actually actively supports this type of activity but um food banks um lfcny has supported a food pantry in the east village of new york city um you know donating whenever we can you know sometimes cans food today we did a fundraiser for them and you know we were able to you know the the club was the club pledged some some cash the bar that you know we we go to the 11th street bar also pledged some cash and then we did uh some collection from some of our supporters uh, you know, the people who were at the match that, you know, came down to watch the match today, we were able to raise $1,300, you know, dollars for a local food pantry. And you'd be shocked as to how widespread food insecurity is. Um, I just want to make sure and, you know, kind of express to people the importance of if you have like, you know, two, three bucks in your pocket, donating it to a food pantry because it can do a lot of good and it can help feed people who are, you know, hungry, just need, just need a good meal and just need something to, uh, you know, stave off malnutrition which is obviously a horrible thing that we shouldn't have in the modern world absolutely and um so um uh, 
so proud of you guys at LFC New York for all, all 11th Street Bar for all the amazing things that you do there and uh, if you are within that area or any local food bank do go and support it because like Justin said it is a massive 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 issue in 2018 it's absolutely shocking that people are actually malnutritioned in this day and age so if you have any tinned food or you can donate or help out and volunteer please do so and what about yourself Jay is there anything you'd like to plug anything that you're working on no, unfortunately, I'm not um, on the writing side of the uh, Anfield Index um, scheme. So I'm sort of working on hopefully getting some more pods, maybe with the fantasy guys. Hopefully this week I'll do better than average, which is 40 points for me. So, yeah, if you can listen to the fantasy pod whenever we are out again, I'm sure it'll be towards the end of this week coming up. And last thing, just enjoy your weekend. Liverpool have won. We were the early kickoff. We roll on into Tuesday now, so yeah, get behind the lads, I'll be there on Anfield screaming and shouting, so off the reds. Yeah, it's great when you have an early kickoff and you win and you can just watch everyone else thinking, what are you going to do? We've we've done our bit, you know, it's it's just a great feeling. And like I said, um, Liverpool have this um, ability to make or break your weekend and an early kickoff and you win. Nothing but feel-good vibes. For my part, a massive thank you to everyone who contributed to today's show. A huge thank you to the you, the listener. And um, like we said, stay positive. It's all feel-good factors here. Until next time, I will catch you in my next show. Till next time, up the Reds. Podcast Network.